Thank you, worship team. Did it bring you back some memories when we sang that old chorus, Thy Word? I don't know, it's something about the warmth of that song and the truth of that song. Well, here we are. 2018 has begun a new start, a blank slate. Do you like the feeling of a new year? I don't know many people that don't because so often we look back on the last year and the things we tend to remember are our mistakes, the troubles, the trials we got into, the things that we may have caused, kind of the turmoil of things. We don't necessarily remember all the good things that God does, and that's an interesting uh, observation, I think, with a lot of people. So why is a new year? Because a new year, you know, we want to see growth. We want to see change. We, we want to see new things come about. But I encourage you to also look back and say, Lord, what did you teach me, even through the hard things? Even when I stumbled along at times and I didn't make the choices that honored you in certain areas, your grace was there for me. And when it got most difficult, you held me close and you held me strong and you showed me the way to go. But Lord, now this year, right, whatever is coming my way, I want to know that I'm walking more closely with you in 2000 or 2018 than 2017 or ever before. And so we've start, we're starting the series today in Proverbs, Wisdom to Live By, to really do that, to say an intention of my heart and my life and my will is to draw closer to God this year, to become more wise this year than last year, to say, God, I need to understand you better. I want to have that lamp lighting my path, and I want to walk in the light of that path and not stray off into darkness or selfishness or whatever it is. So if any of you are in the market for that, this series is for you, and we're going to be in Proverbs for the next uh, 10 weeks or so, 10, 11 weeks. We'll just see how the Lord leads. And I encourage you to really, you know, use Proverbs in your devotional life each day. A lot of people like to read a, a proverb a day or a psalm a day with other reading, and I think that's great. But for this series, for sure, just dive into this great book of wisdom that Solomon gives us. Uh, there are 31 chapters. We're not going to cover every proverb in the book, but there are many and just encourage you to say, yeah, I want to dedicate myself to God's wisdom and walking in his great wisdom this year like never before. So little information about, a pro about Proverbs. You know, what is a proverb? Uh, if you were to look that up, it's a simple ancient way of teaching that uses a pithy statement, a short statement of truth, and is often in comparison with something else. A wise person is like, a foolish person does, or a foolish person is like. And you see these comparisons, these truths and thoughts laid beside one another, and they're, it's done in that way so that you can kind of stop and meditate just on that one sentence. Because you'll notice as you go through any chapter in Proverbs, there's just tons of different topics and issues that are brought up, and it's not necessarily a flow like you'll see in most of the other narratives of Scripture. So you're supposed to take one proverb, one sentence, one verse, even one phrase, and say, okay, so how is my life looking wise? How is my relationship looking more wise? How am I, um, you know, you saw some of the, you saw the video there. Am I, am I using my resources in a wise way before God? How would I even know that to be able to answer that? What about the way that I relate in my home, in my parenting or in my marriage? Am I really bringing God's wisdom principles into play in those relationships? And how would I know if I am? That's what Proverbs is great for. It's exceedingly practical. And uh, you really don't have to read a lot to get a lot. 
you just have to meditate. You have to slow down and just say, like, okay, what does this mean? What's, you know, what's God getting at through Solomon and through his experience and wisdom to me and to my life? And so we're going to look at a number of different topics as we go in the next, you know, like I say, 10 or 11 weeks. But this morning is more just understanding wisdom and how to acquire wisdom. How to acquire that. How to say as we go through this next year that you've acquired more and more wisdom, that you don't get stumped with the how-to you actually know how to pursue it. You know how to acquire it. You know how to actually put it into practice. Because if we have those tools down, then as we go through the rest of the book or all of the scripture, right, from Genesis to Revelation, we'll know how to mine it for its gold, for its treasures. So it's really a great series and a great book. Uh, it's written by Solomon, who was David's son. He was the third king of Israel. Saul was first, then David, his father, then Solomon. God used him to... Uh, build the first temple and many other buildings. He was very, very wealthy. Uh, he reigned in a time of peace for 40 years while the monarchy was united. Then it split after him uh, when his sons came along. And we'll talk more about that as we go through the series, the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. But he reigned and ruled when God's people were united and there was peace. And uh, he has quite kind of a legacy. Much of it good, some not so good we'll be able to relate, I think, as we go through. So we're going to start with 1 Kings. It's a little, little bit of a window into Solomon when he was young and he had a prayer. He, God visited him in a dream and asked him what he would like from God. Can you imagine God showing up in a dream and asking you what you'd like? <laughs> what could I do for you? Like, is there a prayer? Is there a need in your life? Well, you can imagine the things that could have come to his mind, but here's the, the story. Here's actually what he prayed for. So 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, in response to God's request, or God's invitation to request anything of God, Solomon says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning heart, so that none like you has ever has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, and that no other king shall compare with you all your days." Pretty incredible. Would that have been your first impulse, your first request of God? Maybe for a lot of us, we would think like, I'm next in line. I'm going to be the ruler over this people, a, a king? I'm just a child? And now I have God speaking to me in a dream? Like, would you have first thought of wisdom? Well, that's what Solomon thought, and I obviously think it's a great prayer. That's what he needed more than anything else. God then said, that is the right prayer. I am going to give you wisdom beyond what anyone has ever had or will ever have. And on top of that, you didn't even ask for it, but you're going to have riches and honor like no other king. Pretty incredible. Apparently, he wrote 3,000 Proverbs. We have 513 of them recorded in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs. So there were many more. But these are the ones that God felt were most important for us to have and for us to meditate on, and then for us to live out. This wisdom was for, as these verses said I just read, for governing his people. 
He needed to learn how to govern himself. He could look at his father David and and remember the words and the challenges and the commands of God and, and his father's counsel, but he wanted more and he wanted to have his own direct relationship with God, which we should all desire and we can have through Christ. He wanted to know how to govern himself and then govern the people. He needed to be able to discern things that he's never faced before. And he knew he had many years ahead of him. And he knew the challenges even watching his father and watching the kingdom and the people and that they were, as we know from Scripture, a stiff-necked people. They were not easy to rule. So Solomon was even wise in his question. But Solomon did not always act wise. Solomon knew much more good than he actually put into practice. Can you relate? (laughs) He knew a lot more right and good things than he was able to even put in practice. The wisest man of all who had all these supernatural downloads from God really didn't live up to all of those. He did some. And that makes him, I think, very attainable, very approachable. It's reachable for us to think like, wow, I, I, I can relate to that. You know, and I want to learn more wisdom. I know I won't put it all into practice, but I surely want to try in God's strength. And I, and I want to do more than I did last year. I, I want to be more obedient. I want to understand more of his heart and his character. And I'd like the, the, path, the lamp on my path to be even brighter. So I can see this contrast between if I stepped off the path and got going down this road, then that'd be dark and wrong and hurtful to me and others that I love. So, you know, we desire that more and more, but even Solomon is an example of knowing more than we're ever actually able to obey. But nonetheless, we have the the direction, we have the light, we have the wisdom to follow. The other half of it is, God, give me the strength to be able to put your wisdom into practice, isn't it? The first half half is a challenge, and a lot of people stumble right there. They don't pursue God's wisdom very hard. It's it's not a great pursuit in their life. It's kind of a, you know, it, it's a half pursuit. It's it's minimal. It's it's not a priority. But if you would even say, I'm gonna make it a priority this year. I I want it to be a dedicated focus of my heart and my time. I'm gonna carve out time to be in his word and to acquire his wisdom. Then it's like, Lord, now give me the courage and the strength to obey it and to follow it. So let's jump in. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. This is a little bit of a setup, and it shows us the benefit and, or some of the benefits and blessings of acquiring this wisdom. Verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Do I hear an amen from parents out there? Okay. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And then verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Proverbs are there to give us wisdom for living, to help us live well to help us live in the light of God's truth, to have the blessing that God would want for our lives, to be useful in his hands, and ultimately, right, to have this, this sense of fulfillment that I'm, I'm doing what I was created to do. I, I know the one that created me. I'm, I'm walking more and more in his ways. And that helps me distinguish between good and evil. 
Now, in our culture, those get mixed up all the time, right? Do you think the culture is real good at instructing one another what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's evil? Do you think just about every day you go like, that's not right? You hear something, you go, wait a minute, that's a lie. That, that's not right. That doesn't line up with God's truth. Or something in the Holy Spirit, you know, convicts you or it's uneasy. And, you know, it's grieving the Holy Spirit because you, you know enough of, his God, of God's truth and the Holy Spirit reminds you of the truth. You're like, wait a minute. They're saying that that's good. That's actually evil. That's actually in the Word of God is wrong before God. And that's what wisdom will do when it's from the Lord, when it's not earthly wisdom, when it's godly, heavenly wisdom. It helps you be able to discern and to partition those things that are wrong and evil and hurtful and will end up in regret and take you down the wrong path. And those things that will be freeing and life-giving and helpful and building relationships. So how many of you are in the market for that? So it's like, I get confused in the word and I, in the world. Or sometimes... I hear it so much, so strong. I even know it's wrong or evil, but I, it makes me want to go that direction because it seems like everyone else is. So the wisdom of God helps us distinguish between good and evil, to not be mixed up and be like a wave thrown back and forth by the storms of culture, but to be able to have a discerning heart and then have a heart that God can guide by his truth. It's also helpful, you notice there, and I made a little joke about it, discretion for the youth. Well, the crazy thing is that everyone here would say like, oh yeah, by middle age or so, sometime past, I don't know, in your 20s or a little older, you know, you should have this sense of decorum and self-control and discretion and some amounts of wisdom in different areas. That's not necessarily true anymore. So this isn't just for youth, but it's, it surely needs to be understood as young as people, as young as our children could understand and can understand this truth. We explain it to them. The Proverbs, you know, you'll, you'll see that it's often couched in the mother and the father giving this wisdom to their children. And we need to do that. And we need to those, give that to those that are younger in the faith or younger than us. But it surely doesn't, there's not an age I could say like, oh yeah, most people, when they follow Christ after about this many years and they're about this old, that they're probably fine. They're kind of fine for the rest of the hall. You see, even from Solomon, he understood much and was wise early, but he stumbled in his latter years. That should be a warning to us as well. And it was to him. And we see that in Ecclesiastes where he, he came back to, hey, the best way to live is to fear God and obey his commands, even though he himself struggled with that. But that is the wisest way to go. As young as our children and our nephews and our nieces and our friends and our friends' kids can understand wisdom, they need to because they're going to be really confused. They're being told, you're not even sure what your sexuality is just by your anatomy. You should figure that out or things will help you figure that out as you go through life and culture. Can you imagine? Like, we see that clearly and we may go like, oh, you got to be kidding. Like, that's so obvious. To our youth, that's not going to be so obvious because of what they may hear in school or just see on Facebook and in television and movies all the time. And through music, it's not going to be clear. That's the most clear thing in the world, man or woman. Now they're saying that's up for grabs. So you go like, wow, our youth need to understand the knowledge of God and grow in discretion. That's just why God gives us his word. That's just why these Proverbs are there for us. So we can understand it. And then as we understand it, we can pass it on. That makes sense, right? We first have to have that discretion and knowledge at whatever age we are. 
but then surely pass it on those as young as possible so that they can grow up with clarity and discernment because this world is going to confuse them like crazy. No, you need this. No, you deserve this. No, that's not your identity. This is your identity. And your identity you perform for, and you have to continue to keep your identity rolling and increasing, else you're a no one, and you'll have no influence, and you'll have no name and reputation, like all lies. Do we understand them for ourselves, and are we passing them on to our children? You know, it's pretty incredible as we're, you know, we're still looking and praying for a youth pastor, and I encourage you to continue to pray as we go into this next year. Um, we're doing our due diligence as best we know how, but pray for that. But we have a bunch of people that have, you guys, that have volunteered and jumped in and helped our youth ministry on Wednesday nights. There's a volunteer team, college students and older adults, and there's discipleship going on there. So when this youth pastor walks into that ministry, he's going to have a team of volunteers, a team from, you guys, you guys are the ones doing it. You're stepping in and you're valuing this you know, dispensing of godly wisdom from the scriptures into the next stage and down into the next stage to high school and junior high students. So crucial. Aren't you glad that we have absolute truth that we can know and share? And it's going to help our kids? It's actually going to be due north for them? They think due north is west or east or south sometimes, and we can know from scripture absolute truth and be able to live by it. And then lastly, you know, to have this, this sense of knowing what's right as we deal with others. To be just, equitable, and fair. Those are all relational words. It's, it's not just justice for me as I stand and try to boast about anything. It's justice before God. Justice before God would be to take care of the poor. That's what he calls justice. Those that are weak, those that need a Samaritan to come along, that's probably going to be you this week or, or you next week or someone else. But we all have that role to live justly, to bring equity to others. You know, a lot of people lost their homes in these fires, and we can go out and serve and help and be sensitive and pray. And, and someone may not have lost a home to a fire, but maybe a home to a divorce. Just heard about that yesterday. Someone I, I didn't even know, but lost a marriage and lost his home. And just like, this is not what I thought the future would... Well, how do you help someone like that, right? How do you help bring grace and justice and that sense of equity, you know, that you would care and you would give love to that person as well as loving a friend or someone in your family. It's all about relationships. And we all have blind spots. It's one thing I think would be helpful as we walk into this next year to say, like, I don't have it all perfectly figured out relationally. Can anyone else admit that? I don't have that all figured out, how to give grace at the right time, how to stand for truth at the right time, how to give um, you know, forgiveness and long-suffering at the right time. I'm, I'm not sure, like, if you just feel like while well, relationships are a challenge, you're actually an honest person. <laughs> so you should say, thank you, God. I, I'm at least honest. I'm at least humble enough to admit relationships are the most challenging thing in life. And to bring justice and equity and, and fairness to those relationships when I have my own blind spots, I need help. Lord, give me more wisdom. Those growth areas that I have, give me more wisdom. So if I ask you what your blind spot is, could you answer me? No, because it's a blind spot. <laughs> that was a trick question. But it's good to ask others. It's good to be open to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will help you see where you don't treat people fairly like you want to be treated and sometimes you demand to be treated, right? 
I have a right to my rights. So why don't we care so much about someone else's rights? But our rights, why aren't we giving that, you know, love your neighbor as yourself? Why aren't we giving the love to others that we often just want for ourselves? Where are we needing to grow? The Lord wants to give us wisdom to be able to dispense his love and grace and justice to all people. This, then, develops in us the fear of the Lord, which he says is the beginning of knowledge. That's verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. They don't want anything to do with it. They already know. Do you know anyone like that? They don't need to learn from anyone else. They don't want, they're not going to listen to anyone else. They, they might, maybe privately, do some research to build their knowledge. We're not going to let you know that. They, they just want to be the know-it-all. They want to be the boisterous, always talking, in control one. Um, scripture would say they're foolish. The beginning of wisdom is to seek the Lord and to be in awe and to have fear and respect for God. The fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. That's the foundation to pursuing wisdom and knowledge. A God-centered reverence for who he is in all areas of your life. Do you have that? Do you want more of that? It's like, I think I put myself at the center oftentimes and kind of see my world revolving around me and how that affects me and me how that affects me and me how that affects me and, that, and how that relation affects me and how this will affect my time and this will affect my body and this will affect, can anyone relate? <laughs> how this good eating and all my goals in this year and we tend to put ourselves at the center. But what if we said, God, that's not right. You're the center. God-centered. Christ-centered. Wisdom-centered. Your wisdom. That's the fear of the Lord. That then will start bringing wisdom to all those other areas. And you'll discover where you're lacking wisdom and you're living foolishly. And I'll discover the same. And then we just address those. Then we actually can see the area that was blind to us before. That makes sense, right? The Holy Spirit, through his word, helps you see what was blind before because you've put God at the center, not yourself. And then all of a sudden, you're given insights and discretion and, you know, God is speaking to you about things you didn't see before or you didn't care about before. This next year, it's my prayer for myself as I would grow in love of God and with more of his wisdom so I can see the areas that I can't see right now. Would you like that? That'd be living in the fear of the Lord, desiring to center on his wisdom. And then in Proverbs 2, so you jump a little bit in the next chapter, starting in verse 1, we see how that's, how that's to happen. Do we just sit around and say, God, uh, I need wisdom, thanks, and just wait? You know, how does this whole process start, and how does it continue? How do I benefit? Um, well, here's how. I'm going to read the verses, and then we'll talk about them. Starting in Proverbs 2, 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So to grow in God's wisdom, I must, I must read my Bible. It's going to be the year of the Bible around here. And you know, 2019, it's going to be the year of the Bible. And the year after that, it's going to be the year. Hopefully 2017 was, but it's going to be now for sure this year. Could you say that? 
This is going to be the year of the Bible for me. This is the year I'm actually going to pursue wisdom wholeheartedly. How do I do that? If I just said, yeah, I, I, I want to, I need to, I get off track so easily, but I, I, I do. How do I do that? Well, we're given some key words here, right? Receive. It's a humble admission of my need for his truth. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Do you go to God each day and ask him for his wisdom? Do you open his, his book, his word, his truth, the blueprint, your map for living, and say, God, give me your wisdom. Show me something. Give me, give me one word, one phrase, some story today that I can learn from to apply. Often we're not that humble. We're just kind of busy. So this is not a guilt trip on anybody. It's actually just to kind of blow the smoke away and just allow us to see the choices we choose to make for whatever reasons. But to just say, like, am I going to make those kinds of choices and be a humble recipient asking God, knowing I need his wisdom? And if not, there will be other things that we will value above that and we would currently value above that. I would just ask you to search. Search your heart and say, what am I valuing above the wisdom of God? What do I think is going to hold more reward for me in my life than the pursuit of God's wisdom? It's a really good question. And then when you answer it, and then ask the Holy Spirit if you're really being honest, <laughs> he'll point it out. And then you go, wow, that's, that's so interesting. How, how did I get to a place where I thought that would be? Or maybe you've never thought the, the study of Scripture would carry that much value and reward. So just say, Lord, I want to be someone who would receive, who would ask, humbly admitting my need for your truth. To treasure up. So you see the intensity starts to grow here, right? To treasure up, to see God's wisdom as the most valuable thing I possess in my life. Things you treasure, you know about. You protect. You don't lose. Or if you do lose it, man, you all out search until you find it. If you really treasure it, if it's very important to you, if you know its reward, you've tasted of its reward, and you want more, those are the things you treasure. They capture your imagination. They fill your mind and your heart with, with longing and greater hunger. Now you're understanding what you treasure. The challenge is to treasure God's word like that as the most valuable thing we possess. And then to listen attentively. What's that about? Well, you know what that's about. How's that work in marriage? <laughs> or in a good friendship when you're a little distracted and you're, you're listening, but you're not really focused. Right? How's that work? Not so bueno. No good. Doesn't work. You got to be like all in. You, you got to focus. You got to listen. You, you got to like kind of repeat back occasionally what you are hearing and what you think they're saying, else you're not really that interested in what they're saying because you have your own dialogue or monologue going on in your own head and you can't wait to speak and get your words out. But a good listener is really able to be quiet and just dig and just, just receive, listen and focus and meditate. Really give some, some hard work to understanding what you're hearing in this context, what you're reading in Scripture. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us with that. In fact, the Holy Spirit, one of his roles is to remind us what Jesus taught, to remind us of truth. He'll remind you of a proverb. He'll remind you of one of Jesus' parables or one of his teachings. He'll remind you of something in the Word, and you go, I have the Holy Spirit's help to stay focused. If you ever deal with being distracted, anybody? You just get distracted. You can focus for like, I don't know, Six and a half seconds. And then you're, you're thinking about folding the laundry or jumping out there on the golf course or, 
or that thing in the garage or that thing at work or you get buzzed because you can't handle not having your phone right there and now you're, you're like, it really takes some work. This is diligent focus to listen only to God and not everything else that gets to you all the rest of the day. But to say, hey, phone's off, phone's out of the way. In your word, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Word, right, the word of God, you're, you're taking it in, you're, you're chewing, you're, you're ruminating on it, right? You're trying to get the last morsel. Man, a good bite of tri-tip, don't just swallow it, right? Meat lovers, chew it. Now, I like it a little more well done than most, but I still like to chew it and get all the flavor with a little dash of salt, right? What's your favorite food? You don't just gobble it down. You go like, I love this. I don't want this to go fast. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this bite. I'm going to think about this. I'm going I'm to chew on this. Lord, what are you trying to tell me? This actually right now is not making sense to me. Holy Spirit, help me here. I don't know how that would work. I think I might lose if I obey you in this in some way. I think I'm, I feel like I've lived my life thinking that would rip me off, that you're trying to confine me with that command. So I got to start like a square one. Why, Lord, should I do this? How is that going to help my life or honor you? And you think deeply and you chew and you meditate and you won't let that bite go. You're not ready to swallow it yet. What if you treated God's word like that? You can literally do that for five or 10 minutes a day. It's not like, oh, I don't, I don't Gordy, I don't have hours for this. I'm a very busy person. <laughs> you can do that five or 10 minutes. So you take that verse with you into your car. You think about that. You write it on your arm. I don't care what you do. You just keep thinking about it all day long. You pray about it again. And then you read a little more and you pray about it again. And you're, you're looking to hear from God. You're inclining your heart. He keeps going. Inclining your heart. You're leaning in with passion. You actually have a passion to know more. And even if you're lacking passion, just tell God that now and just say, give me passion, God, please. I'm not passionate about your word. I, I got the basics down and I'm good with that. Why am I so good with that when you'll speak to me and you'll light greater paths and show me blind spots that I can further glorify you? That areas that aren't really blessing and honoring you could. So Lord, I, I want to lean in with more passion and emotional investment. I want to, and he keeps going, I want to call out for insight. That's a willingness to investigate, to, to write your questions down, to doubt your doubts, to, to bring them to the table. You're in a scripture and you don't understand everything. Write them down. Dig in. Get more tools, right? Blueletterbible.org is a great tool. So if you have never used it, I'm going to tell you, you got to. It's just you'll love it. Blueletterbible.org. It has commentaries. I'm not even going to tell you how to explain you, know, you should know how to use an app by now. You probably do, right? You'll find out. As you just dig around, you'll, you'll see all that it has. It's just full of tools, commentaries on the Scripture you may not understand. You could type in a word forgiveness, and you could have you know, all the places in the Scripture where that word is used, and you can start digging and understanding more. And it's a real struggle for you, so you have to understand forgiveness more because, because Gordy reminded me it's so important. I just don't believe it's that important because I have a right to be angry with that person. And so you hold on and then you finally go, am I going to live my life like this? And you finally feel like the Lord's prying the, the death grip that you have on your anger because you're digging in and you're seeing anger is going to destroy me and it doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. And it's affecting my other relationships. I'm not wise, just, and equitable with others. I'm not because I'm so angry and I'm so unforgiving. And you go like, oh, when you finally get there, now you're digging. Now the Holy Spirit's speaking to you the truth of God. 
Now, that may have sounded like really direct or harsh, but you know what? I found that so many people are so stuck on that one issue. They can't progress in their walk with God. They just can't get anywhere because they're unwilling on the most basic level to forgive others as they've been forgiven. I'm not talking to that person anymore. That's it. They've written them off. That's it. Nope. They hurt me again. That's it. Wow. If you stay there, you're going to be stuck and you're not going to grow. And it would make me wonder, like, do you really know God? He says, you can't add, you know, you have to forgive as I've forgiven you. It's in the Lord's prayer. Forgive others as you've been forgiven. Forgive their transgressions as God forgives yours. How can God, he even says in one of the Gospels, God can't forgive you unless you're willing to forgive others. You haven't even had your heart transformed by the forgiveness of God yet. Because once that's happened, you just can't. You can struggle with not forgiving. You just can't hold on to it forever. It's literally not possible. And if you find yourself in that place, maybe you don't know Christ yet. You haven't asked him to literally forgive all of your offenses to him as a holy God. That that forgiveness flows and covers all areas of your heart and your life and your past and your present all future soon. Covers you. Covers you. When you know you've been covered by the blood of Christ, you know it, and you know you've needed it, and you've asked him. You're not coattailing on someone else's spirituality. You're not in this church because your parents are. You're not following Christ because someone else thought you should. You're doing it because that's your choice to follow this incredible God. You've understood what Jesus did on the cross. His blood cleanses you of all your wrongs and sin. How dare I? How dare you hold that lack of forgiveness over someone else's head? We can't. We're not allowed. Our heart hasn't been changed if we, if we do. We've got to. We're called to. And in fact, the greatest thing is we're actually given the ability because of the forgiveness of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive like that. And it's so freeing. It's so incredibly freeing. Are you there yet? Do you know Jesus like that? That's what it means to be walking with him and to know he's forgiven you. Incline your heart. Call out for insight. Use a notebook. Like as you open God's word, write your stuff down. Come bug one of the pastors or your life group leader with your question or ask one of your good friends or get into blue letter Bible, what's it? <laughs> Dot org. Like put your question in, put your verse in, put the word in to the search window and start digging and ask others and start like enjoying it. It's awesome. Call out for insight. Seek it like you would Silver, search for it like hidden treasure. If you knew, if someone said, you know what, it's really kind of cool, this property that you bought. Yeah, someone said that they buried a bunch of gold bullion. Bullion? Bricks? Whatever they are now? Under your foundation. It's actually there. Yeah, there's proof. You can look in the history book. You're not just going, oh, cool. <laughs> they said it was there. Tell others, yeah, got a bunch of gold under my foundation. It's there. You're going to dig it up. You're going to get a contractor friend. You're going to split your foundation. You're going to go after to see if it's really, really true. Do you believe God's word has that much treasure and value and reward for you? Then you'll seek it like you would silver or gold or, it's, or the greatest treasure. Do you believe it's got that kind of reward waiting for you? So we receive, we treasure up, we listen attentively, attentively, we incline our heart, we call out for insight, God, help me, God. And we talk to others and we get some help where we think we need it and we seek and search for it as for hidden treasure. Then and only then, then and only then, because this is what the verse says, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
That's when we, still, that's when we finally understand what it's like to fear God. To fear the Lord, there are a couple, many definitions actually in Scripture and a few in Proverbs, but it's to hate sin. To fear the Lord is to hate sin. And if you don't think you really hate sin in all its forms in your life and in this world, you don't have much of the fear of the Lord. You should hate it like he hates it because you see the destruction it's causing in your own life and causing in your family's life and causing in this world that you start to hate it like God does. You don't hate the people. You hate the sin. You call it what it is. It's evil. It's wrong. It's sin. It's an offense to God, and I'm caught up in some of it. Oh, that should bother me. It should bother you. But right? That's the fear of the Lord. That's when your understanding of the fear of the Lord grows and your knowledge of him. You're getting closer to him. He's, he's revealing himself in his heart to you. That's why Solomon could say at the end of Ecclesiastes, you know what's the best way to live? Fear God and keep his commands. Okay, I have a little illustration, a way to kind of help us with this. That it takes, takes a little work, but it's such a blast. Any of you snorkel? Any of you ever snorkeled? Okay, or scuba dived? Anyone else? How about snuba? Have you heard that? It's this combination thing now. It's really wild. It's probably very expensive. But you can do any of those. But I like snorkeling because it's easy. You don't need a lot of equipment. And it's really fun. Why? Okay? Because you get to see cool stuff that you didn't get to see unless you put on the mask and the snorkel and you put your fins on and you got down there into another world. Interesting. Another world. God's wisdom compared to our wisdom or the world's wisdom is another world. It is counterintuitive much of the time. We have to get into another world and we float along the surface and we can breathe and we can check out all these kinds of fish. I wish I knew some names of these. Is one of those an angel fish? Okay. There's, oh, do you see that one? There's uh, Nemo. Do you see him? Right there. Okay, so you get an opportunity to see a world and the beauty and the color and the treasures of something God created that you wouldn't just get from a glass-bottom boat. You can see some of it, but when you get down into it, right, you start swimming around. Then you get really interested because you see something of real interest to you. Why is that sea cucumber so interesting? But it is to you or that that kind of fish, or you see a turtle or something, and then you do a deep dive. Now you, you hold your breath. You do like a jackknife dive. You know how to do that, right? At the surface, and you throw your fins up, and you just start going down real fast. You need to go down fast because you only have one lung full of air. <laughs> and it gives you about 20 or 30 seconds, and you find one of these fellas. You just go like, wow, I'm going to try to chase that guy around. <laughs> you can't touch him. I learned that in Hawaii. Can't touch him. But you can follow him, get really close. I try to get really close. And this is how close I got. <laughs> that's not my photo. <laughs> anyway, that's my goal, though. I want to get that close. I want to be so good in the water. Well, on my deep dive, I come around the front, and he doesn't even see me coming, and it's like right there, and I'm going to kiss him. No. All right. But I don't know. There's something about sea turtles Julie and I love. So you just, you're willing to put the equipment on. Oh, the water's a little chilly at first. Yeah, a little chilly at first. Sometimes there's a little work. It's, it's, a little, it's like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I could swallow, swallow some seawater. Yep. You could. You could even see a shark, like I didn't want, and you're like, ah, from a distance, you see that? And you're like, do I stay in the water? Like, what would be the wise thing to do now? Do I? And he was going the other direction, like, okay. And we were heading back to the boat anyway, so it was all good timing. You know, but you got to be willing to, like, get in the water, put the equipment on, get the tools, and then have fun, and then start doing some deep dives. And then, like, I think I could put a tank on my back. Go for it. I'm going in. I, I'm loving this. I want to stay down longer. I want to see more of God's treasures. I'm going to seek him out. I'm going to call him out. I'm going to incline. I'm going to swim around. I'm going to dig around. Now you're getting the idea. How do we do that practically? I'm going to give us uh, 
a tool today. Uh, so if you have one of these, pull it out. It's Read Through the New Testament in 2018. If you don't, throw your hand up. We've got ushers that would love to sprint right to your front door and give you one, okay? Keep your hand up, though, so they can find you. Um, everyone else, just take this out. And it's a tool for you to use, a tool. If you don't have a tool to help you be in God's Word regularly, then this is a good one. Um, and if you do, don't use it. Use yours. <laughs> um, or maybe this will assist. Keep your hand up if you still need one. Everyone get one? Okay. Often when people are starting their daily reading in God's Word, one, it's a challenge. So this is not a legalistic standard and someone's going to check up on you. But it's a fun way to kind of go like, yeah, I, I want to be in God's Word more regularly, whether it ends up being daily or a couple times a week or even weekly, just one good old time with your snorkel equipment on, you're going to do some deep dives. Okay, whatever that is for you. Um, here's a way of keeping track of your reading for this next year. If you started in January, you can start through uh, the book of James, just kind of read your way down through. You can do it in any order. You can, like, go all over this if you want, but that's all the chapters of the New Testament. And you can check them off as you go. Some days you might read one chapter, or some you might read two, or even a paragraph or a verse. Just come back, make a note, just come back, keep reading James 1, because you're digging it, and you're loving it, and it's helping you, okay? But you can work your way down. Uh, most months, uh, most, yeah, most months have 20 chapters, so you have plenty of days where you miss grace, right? This is grace-filled, totally grace-filled. But you're like, no, are you kidding? I finished, I finished James, 1 John, and Philippians in like three weeks. Great. Then you go down below where it says Proverbs and Psalms, and you do some Old Testament reading. And we're in Proverbs, so I encourage you to start checking off these chapters as we go through Proverbs. And Psalms are there as well, 150 of them. And you can dig into the Old Testament as well. This is usually a good way to start. But also, if you go uh, online, you can get full reading plans for the entire Bible, which are the Old Testament and New Testament reading. So if you're ready to kind of take that big a bite, then do that. That's awesome. Or if you've done this one before, now just include the Old Testament uh, and dig in a little deeper or a little further. So that's, that's the front side. The back side, developing a daily time with God. I can't overemphasize how simple this is, but how necessary it is. I've discovered for a lot of people that have been Christians for years, years, years of their life, or new Christians, they don't really know how to have a daily time with God. They don't know how to do it. I have tried to make this exceedingly practical. If you came to Christ this morning, and I hand this to you, you could go home, we'll give you a free Bible, <laughs> And literally start tomorrow. You go, oh, well, I don't, find a quiet place and consistent time to meet with God. Well, about, I leave for work about 7, so probably have to get up a little early. There you go. It's quietest, most in this part of the house. Okay, done. Begin with prayer. Okay, well, how? I don't know what to pray. I, I, don't, I haven't done this much. I, ask God to teach you his truth through his Holy Spirit and as you read today's Bible passage. I could do that. I could pray that. I, could, I think I could repeat that to God. Well, put your own words in right? Read the scripture two times through. So if you're in James 1 or you're in Proverbs 1, you read through the passage two times. Because half the time, the first time through, <laughs> you were thinking about your socks and the dog and work. And you go, ha, ha, oh man, or your coffee. It's like it's getting a little cold. I should go warm it up. Okay, so you read down through again, okay? Use a notebook. And I'm not going to explain how you'd use a notebook. Kind of, they're right there. 
write some stuff down that you're doubting or questioning and you need more uh, clarity on. Close with prayer, and here's some things that you can be praying for. Do you know that this would be so transforming as if every day or the days that you, you did get to this and to the Lord, you, you pray like this? So sometimes we never think of confessing our wrongs, so we're never willing to look at where we actually need to grow the most because we we're not confessing anything to God. Thus, we're basically saying to God, I'm fine. Give me something new or better. Can you throw me a bone in an area? We're never confessing. God, how did I say that to that person? Forgive me. That wasn't your way. And then we, we have it on our heart to actually say something nice to them or loving or ask for forgiveness. Okay, so that's the time. Those are ways that you can pray, just different thoughts that are all biblical. Maybe take a verse with you, memorizing scripture. Take it on a three-by-five card. Take it with you. It impacted you through your two times through reading. And now you write that one verse down on a three-by-five card. Take it with you. Throw it in your purse. Throw it in your wallet. Throw it in your mirror. Take it with you. Start, again, ruminating, thinking, digging, inclining your heart, leaning forward passionately to understand. How is that to be in my life, Lord? And then last, and this is totally optional. Well, it's all optional, but... Include a daily devotional. There are awesome daily devotionals, and these will really help you. They're so inspirational. There's two I list here. My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers and Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon. They're one page. They literally would take you maybe a minute or two to read through, and they're so good. They're so rich, so full of treasure and truth. These men walk with God, knew the word. They knew God. They walked with God. Don't you want those kind of people speaking into your life? Um, so grab one of those, unless you have another one. If you have another one, you're a good Billy Graham one, you have a good daily one you like, bring it out. Put that right next to your Bible. Know where your Bible is, know where your daily devotional is, okay? Um, or you could use something that I, I just started because I thought, ah, I want something kind of new, New Year, Desiring God, John Piper. You know his ministry, great teacher of the Word, and he, you could just look up desiringgod.org and ask for its... Uh, What's it called? It's called Solid Joys. It's a daily devotional. They send it to you by email, so it'll pop up on your phone. Every day it'll just pop up. You know how great that is? Already I've read some cool stuff, and it's just right there. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to actually dig. But then I had to open, then I had to read, then I had to think. And I'm like, wow, that's convicting. That's awesome. This guy's spent 40 or 50 years of his life digging in the word of God like this. He has snorkeled in the truths of God and he's going to share one. He's going to send it to me on my phone <laughs> every day. Wouldn't that be awesome? How many would like that kind of encouragement every day? Okay, so you could do that one. Use that one. I want it on my phone. Great. Most people just don't ever make a decision for anything because, again, for some reason, they just feel intimidated. They don't know how. Well, we've made it about as simple as you can as it can be made, I think. So use that one, desiring.org. Solid Joys is the daily devotional. They also can send you an email with other articles. You don't have to read them, but they're right there if you do. You're going to catch a title on one. It was really one of the titles that just came up. I don't know if any of you are on it. It was like, um, falling out of love is not a reason to divorce your spouse. Think that would hit culture these days? Maybe the church? That was catching to me. I'm like, well, yeah, kind of, oh, well, yeah, we don't love each other anymore. She told me she didn't love me anymore. I guess that means we should get divorced. And one of his points is, you know how many times you fall in and out of love with your spouse over the time of your marriage? Many. Wow, I was like, okay, <laughs> good stuff. That's going to help me, even as I help, try to help others. I just thought it was good insight. 
Okay, so where was that found again? What ministry is that again? John Piper, and it's called what? Desiring.org. If you have a better one, use that one. If you don't, get on that. Like, do it. It's fun. You're going to actually be helped. And you'll feel like, man, I'm, I'm getting downloads of wisdom daily. And then I'm in the Word daily, and I'm, I'm working through the New Testament, and maybe the Old Testament, some of these Proverbs and Psalms. I'm doing it daily, or as often, again, as often as you can. This isn't performing for God and being good enough, so then my, my year in 2018 will be better because I'm performing for God better. Like, no, I'm just receiving from the Lord, and I'm understanding where is wisdom, and, I, and I'm putting it in my life because I'm wanting to. Now I understand why I should, and I am doing it. And then on top of that, as if it couldn't get any better, you have life groups. Jump in one. Or a men's group or a women's group or Kevin Oates' class, or the Financial Peace class, or other classes that we offer. You'll see all that online. Use all the opportunities that God is placing before you as we start this year to dig into his wisdom and his word. And now the blessings, or further blessings. In verse 7, Proverbs 2, 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. As you diligently pursue God and his wisdom, he's going to give you protection, like a shield. Our part is to pursue wisdom with integrity. And we can. We do it the best we can with his help. God says, I will provide the protection. I'll provide the shield. I'll protect you from sin that's taking you down right now or that you don't see yet. From bad decisions that you'll regret. From selfish, self-destructive ways that we often fall into. He'll be a protection. He says he'll give us direction to help us see the right paths and stay on the right paths. His lamp, or his word, is a lamp under our feet. He didn't say he'll lead you according to easy paths. He said he'll lead you on good paths. Sometimes the good is hard and it takes discipline and others may not agree. And you may think an area of your life gets harder because you're obeying God. Yes, in areas and at times that can be true. Surely you see it all through scripture and yet your heart is at peace and you're growing in your knowledge of God and you sense his blessing even through the trial. And then satisfaction. There's something that's going to happen in your soul that nothing else can accomplish. The Word of God brings pleasantness to your soul. A lot of people are very satisfied with just pleasantness to their flesh. This feels good to me, I will do it. The world's full of that. But even Christians can follow. Well, if it feels good and it's comfortable and I like it better, I'm going to keep doing that because I like it for me. Again, self-centered, not God-centered. Not wisdom-centered. But he says, if I pursue his wisdom and I start receiving it more and more and I start walking in it more and more, there's going to be a pleasant peace that comes to my soul. The hunger will grow. I'll desire it more and more. And I'll look back and say, why did I even bother with those things in my former days? How did I even get tripped up? How did I even feel satisfied? And you look back and you go, I've actually grown this year. I've grown in my knowledge and of God and, and in his grace. I've seen it affect my relationships. My heart is more at peace than it's ever been. I'm walking with discretion and justice and equity and fairness like I never have before. 
I felt his protection. I felt him guiding me. I felt a deep satisfaction. Colossians 2, 3, and we'll end with this verse. Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And as we go through this series, you'll see how it all points to the greatest revelation of God and his wisdom in the person of Christ. And it's so interesting, and starting to do this study, how I'm realizing that Jesus' teaching so often pulls from the Proverbs. You'll see that too, and you're like, wow. He's quoting God's truth, because it is all God's truth, that first came even before he was incarnate through Solomon. And he's reiterating and giving fuller understanding in person, in Christ, because all the knowledge, all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom are found in Christ. So as you go through Proverbs and you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and him at the center, get ready for a great year. Get ready for a great year in the Lord that you really look back and say, hey, I, I might not have lost the 10 pounds or the 50 pounds, <laughs> wherever we're shooting for. I might not have whatever in other areas, but one thing for sure, I grew closer to God and I'm understanding his wisdom and living it more than I ever have. Ready to do that this series? Encourage you to come every Sunday. I encourage you to open your Bible and use this tool. Encourage you to jump into one of those classes and dig in wholeheartedly and see what God would do. We're going to worship the Lord a little bit more and pray. I'm going to ask Jason to come on out and uh, let's seek him even right now from our heart. Lord, we're just grateful today that you have given us a glimpse into your heart again that you want to bless us as we understand and follow your wisdom. So God, thank you that we've even received it today. If you're sitting here and you, you don't know God personally, you never placed your faith in Christ, just open your heart to him and say, God, your great wisdom and provision is the person of Christ in whom are hidden all, all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I receive that treasure today, your forgiveness of my sin. I want to walk, Lord, with you because you've changed my heart and forgiven me. May I be a child of God. Thank you, Lord. Your promise is that with that request, you make us children of God. And we ask you for forgiveness, your grace, and to be the Lord of our lives. And Lord, we want you to be Savior and Master and Lord. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome to God's family. Let someone know that you did so we can help you now grow in wisdom in God's wisdom. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today as I pray for me for greater discipline and hunger, for holiness, for wisdom, to be like you, to walk like you, to stay in the light as you're in the light, to walk these good paths, to be more excited, Lord, about what you're doing in my life than really anything else. Because what you're doing in my life, Lord, is going to bless everything else. It's going to impact everything else. It's going to bring blessing to all these other areas. So God, first things first, you, your wisdom, your word, may I grow in wisdom this year. Help me, God, to be determined and disciplined, even as I feel in my spirit right now. Help that to be a reality as I go day by day this next week. 
And Father, I just pray now to you would receive our offering, our praise, our prayer. Lord, we want it to show you that we really do love you and we're willing to follow you and you alone.